now. You have value and you have meaning. No matter what that person said back to you in, in 2016, where they started talking about your body, no matter what that person said when you had that child out of wedlock, no matter what that person said when you had to start taking care of them kids, no matter what that person said, when no matter what that person did when they left you alone and you, they left you astray and they led you to somewhere that you weren't supposed to go, no matter what you face, you have value and you have meaning. You don't have to live a life of derogatory nature, rejecting yourself. You have value and you have meaning. Good morning. Get up. Good morning and welcome to Morning Cup of Wisdom podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. Whether you're listening on Apple, Spotify, or YouTube, I see you and I support you and I thank you for tuning in today. Now make sure you like, share, and follow Jesus. That's the main motive of this podcast. But most of all, I want you to get the resources that you need, the biblical standpoints that you need, the foundation that you need, for your connection to him. So make sure you like, share, and comment, support, follow Morning Cup of Wisdom. I have resources, videos, podcast episodes, and more information to help you in your walk with Christ. So I am glad to be on this journey with you, and I hope that you bring a friend along, and your mama along, your daddy along, and everybody connected to you along on this journey to grow in Jesus. Does that sound good? <laughs> All right. I kind of want to tie in this aspect. The mission of this podcast is to tell you what you need to hear and not what you want to hear. That means that we're in a day and age where people don't want to endure sound doctrine. And people want to heap up teachers for themselves. But I got news for you. They're going to fall. They're going to lead you astray. And they're going to give you the stuff that feels good. But what if everything that feels good isn't good? I challenge you today that the Bible is right. And when you listen to it, when you follow it, when you do what the Bible says, God will give you a reward called fruit. <laughs> and you'll be able to be a living example of what his word is. So I challenge you today. Take a step in faith and actually indulge in being a child of God. So last week we established what rejection is. We talked about the definition of it, the many forms that it comes in. We really hit on the reactions to rejection and we hit on a few points about what to do next. The first point I said was you have to think about your rejection. Think about it. Think about where you have been rejected. Now, for most of us, if we take a minute to think about it, our brain will instantly click to it. Why? Because we will repeat pain in our head more than we will repeat good moments. We will replay all the things that hurt us, all the things that those people said about us, all the things that they uh, did to us. We'll repeat that in our head, but we'll forget a person's last name. Yeah. So that pain is easy to recall and recover from our retrieval memory. But what happens when something so easy to recall is ignored? Something that you have to deal with, 
something that you have to face, something that you have to actually work on. What happens when you keep ignoring it? This is why I said you're going to have to think about it. You ain't going to face it just yet. I said that last week. Now we in a different week. We got some new instructions. But I'm saying you have to think about it. The second thing I said was you're going to have to secure yourself in God's love. What does this mean? Well, this is the gospel. This is the good news. Yes. Tell everybody there's a God that loves you. I'm sorry. This is the gospel. Woo. Come here the good news. Tell everybody there's a God that loves you. Oh, how he loves. I'm sorry. We're playing that for Easter. So I'm ready for it. We got the tracks ready. I'm so ready for that. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that God will send his son down from the earth or from the heavens to the earth to show us the way. And he gave us lessons on how to live this life, how to think about the law that was happening in the Old Testament, how to go about things in the new covenant. Then he died for us. Because the old covenant said, hey, we got to sacrifice these lambs, rams, hogs, mongs, and all this stuff to be right with God. But there was no heart change. Now we got Jesus. He became the sacrifice. And because of his blood, we can have a heart change and now live for him. The gospel is Jesus loves you enough to stay up on that cross to die for your sins so you could get better. When you secure yourself in that fact. You'll be all right. Secure yourself in that love. And this podcast is a living testimony of his love for me. And how his love can go into your life. And renew you and transform you in ways that don't make sense. Second thing you need to do. That I said last week is you need to secure your identity in God. There's one thing about believing in God. There's another thing about being a child of God. <laughs> the Bible says, though they they know my name, though they know me, they do not acknowledge me as me. They say they know God, but they don't acknowledge him as God. Meaning that you can know about God, you can know about Jesus, you can go to church all these weeks in a row and and have all the volunteer points you want. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, number one, you're not going to get into heaven. That's the truth, because the prequalification for getting into heaven is believing in Jesus. That's number one. Number two is having the Holy Ghost. That's it. <laughs> and you're good to go. If you have the Holy Spirit and you allow him to work in your life, he, he's going to wash you clean and make you whole and resurrect you in the last day. You're good to go. When you got those two things, it's when you don't have those two things that you're in trouble. Don't just come to church no more. So you have to secure your identity in God. What does this mean? You have to live like a child of God. If your identity is in money, the amount of money you make will change. Therefore, your identity will. 
If your identity is in your job, what happens when your job changes? Then your identity will. What happens when your identity is in a person? People change. Then you will. <laughs> what happens when your identity is in your car and your car gets wrecked? Then you will. Do you see what I'm saying? All these things that you put your identity in will fade away. The Bible says the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. The word of God suggests that our identity should be put in him. We are children of God. You ever been identified by a person? Wait a minute now. You, you, uh, ain't you, ain't you Clara's girl? Uh-huh. Yeah, I remember when you were young. Uh-huh. Hey, doc. Hey. Wait a minute now. Ain't, ain't you uh ain't you one of them hard boys? Yes, sir. I know your family. Y'all, y'all some crazy. <laughs> I remember back in the day. <laughs> yes, sir. Somebody's gonna identify you by the people that came before you. So when we were once aliens and gone, right? Aliens not as in I'm talking about aliens as in alienated from the love of God because of sin. Now we have the chance to become children of God, co-heirs to the throne and reapers of the inheritance. We can literally have what God has for us because we are now not alienated from him, but we were once orphans. Now we're adopted into the love of Christ into the sonship of Jesus. Now we're co-heirs to the throne. Like literally, when you become a child of God, you start to live different. You start to act different. You start to be different. Here's the thing. You can't be a child of God acting like the world. It don't mix. But you can come in from the world to be a child of God. Don't act. Be. So we got a lot to deal with today because the, the third one deals with living for God. And you, what you want to deal with in your life is those things that don't represent who God is. But sometimes we turn to the goofy things because of the pain of rejection. See, rejection has caused us to do a lot of goofy things in our lives. And we talked last week about rejection making us run. We will leave something to cleave something else because we think acceptance will heal our rejection. It won't. Number two, we will rebel because we think fighting people will heal our rejection. It won't. And we will reinvent ourselves thinking that if we re recreate our body, add something, subtract something, multiply something, divide something, shift it up. If we <laughs> we can't put the PEMDAS on our body. There is no parentheses, exponents, almost <laughs> said something else. There's nothing that we could do to our body that will literally make us heal from rejection. It all comes from the inside and God working on that on the inside. One of the most prominent 
reactions to rejection is, let's put it like this. You're back at the store with your best clothes on. You see another fine person. You go to aisle eight where they are. You start to walk down that aisle. You want to hit them up. You want to holler at them. You want to say something to them. And all of a sudden you walk right past them. Not because you ignored them, not because you didn't see them, but because you said within yourself, I'm, I'm probably going to get rejected again. Let's say you study for them tests again. You got your dog's study guide, your mama's study guide, the teacher's study guide, your grandma's study guide, the neighbor down the street and three blocks down to the left. Take it back now, y'all. And you, you got everybody's study guide. And you study your butt off, but you get to the test day, you get to the place, you get to the person that has the test in their hand and you say, never mind. Because I feel like I'm going to fail anyway. What happens when you keep, okay, creatives, here's this one. What happens when you keep saying, no, man, I'm trying to get like you. Come on, musicians. Y'all, man, Doc, you you better than me, man. <laughs> I'm trying to get like you, man. I don't, I don't, you know, don't hype me up. I ain't that good. Come on, creatives. Come on, creatives. Ah, man, I, I man, I really try to get like you, Doc. You got it all together. <laughs> you got it all. And you thinking that praising other people will hide your insecurity. You're rejecting yourself. I'm not saying that complimenting other people or esteeming others higher than yourself is wrong. I'm saying when it's coming from the motive of you feeling like you're insufficient and insecure and that you don't have nothing to offer. When it's coming out of that motive, then I'm going to say something. Because that's dealing with the pain of rejection. Folks, we got a topic today. The first half of it is going to deal with self-rejection self-rejection is the act of denying yourself but in terms i want to say it's rejecting you before someone else does you're scared of being rejected so you reject yourself this is why it's common to see so many different reactions or reiterations of the same thing have you ever called yourself stupid dumb fat ugly you called yourself these things not nobody else calling you 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 do it to yourself oh, i'm so stupid i'm sorry i'm so dumb oh i'm just a a-hole a I'm, I'm sorry i'm so bad at this I'm really not good at anything. Excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm always in someone's way. Oh my gosh, I'm always doing something wrong. I'm always, I'm always saying something stupid. You know what that screams? That screams a narrative that has formed in your head that has repeated, cycled, looped in your head so much that you believed it and now you live it what happens in our head 
is something called a narrative formation. Oh yeah, I feel you lead me, Lord. Narrative formation means that when a traumatic or painful or rejecting event happens, it starts to form a story because every memory has a story. And we repeat this story in our head, especially when we are in pain. It's funny how you could retrieve your pain so easily, but you can forget a good memory so quick. That pain will do a lasting number on you and it'll create a story in your head. So when someone rejects you and says you're not good enough, then you start to repeat what they said. This is why it's important to watch your words. I'm moving too far ahead in my sermon now, but I'm saying you start to repeat those things in your head. And now you're in a position, you're in a place, you're in a circumstance where you're starting to reject yourself because of what they said. You didn't even believe it until they repeated it in your head. It repeated in your head. How did it start to loop in your head? The enemy. We always talk about the enemy. We always talk about the devil, but we never talk about the things that he does to our psychological nature. The devil will push a mindset. I told my dad, I'm like, yo, I feel like the devil's more of a pusher than a tempter. Yes, he tempts, but that man will push because it's our desires that draw us away. That's temptation. That's another sermon. Actually, a few podcasts back if you actually listen temptation we're drawn away by our own lusts but the devil pushes us to that edge to fall into it might i suggest that there are certain derogatory narratives in your head that aren't pushed until the devil gets a hold of them the enemy will push them things he'll loop those things he'll be like yeah you aren't good enough yeah you aren't good enough yeah you won't make it in life yeah you won't do anything great yeah you won't break that generational curse yeah you'll be always be dirty like you used to be you'll always be the same person you'll always be like this the enemy will push that motive because that's the narrative he's trying to speak into your head guilt shame grief despair uh, depravity no hope but i rebuke and cast out any demon that is trying to speak in your ear saying that you don't have enough value you don't have meaning you don't have purpose i rebuke that devil that is trying to speak into your ear saying that there is nothing worth uh in your life there's nothing in your life that is worth keeping there's nothing in your worth the enemy wants to hurt your brain and i come by to tell you friend that you have value and you have meaning you have value and you have meaning the enemy wants to cut you off from the earth but i want to tell you right now you have value and you have meaning no matter what that person said back to you in in 2016 where they started talking about your body no matter what that person said when you had that child out of wedlock no matter what that person said when you had to start taking care of them kids no matter what that person said when no matter what that person did when they left you alone and you they left you astray and they led you to somewhere that you weren't supposed to go no matter what you face 
you have value and you have meaning you don't have to live a life of derogatory nature rejecting yourself you have value and you have meaning i want to encourage you friend you don't have to stay in that same relationship anymore and you know it's degrading you you have value and you have meaning you don't have to keep putting yourself out there trying to be a thought trying to be a hoe trying to be a slut you don't have to be like that i'm sorry for my language but you have value and you have meaning i know somebody did you wrong i know somebody touched you illegitimately i know you feel some type of way about your body but they just because they didn't see value in you doesn't mean you don't have value in you you have value and you have meaning and i need you to know that right now you don't have to keep binge watching netflix trying to cope with your pain you don't have to keep binge watching uh youtube trying to cope with your pain you don't have to keep looking at porn you don't have to keep looking at people on instagram and checking out their profiles and looking all that at all their highlight reels trying to get a glimpse of something lustful you don't have to do that you just have to come to god saying god i know that there's something in me that i don't see in myself but you see it in me you see value in me you see meaning in me and it's all because of your son jesus christ i thank you god i thank you god i'm sorry i'm going off but i've been in too much of a place where i felt so much lack and value that i started treating myself that way but i came to god and i said god something wrong with me and he said son i know you have something in your head that keeps getting pushed and it's called a narrative and you keep thinking that you're not good enough and therefore because this narrative is repeating you start to harm yourself because you don't think you have value. This is called self-sabotage. Habits that end up as a form of self-rejection. Psychology today says procrastination is a form of self-sabotage. Self-medication, like taking drugs or alcohol or even comfort eating, these are forms of self-sabotage. And my personal favorite of calling out perfectionism. Perfectionism, I don't care what you got to say. I don't care what you got to say right now. Perfectionism is a form of self-sabotage because the mindset is everything has to be perfect. But the mindset of everything has to be perfect screams that you're scared of something being imperfect which screams that you're scared of getting rejected if something is off, which screams somebody said to you after everything you did that something wasn't good. You felt like you always had to overcompensate for something. You don't have to do that, friend. Perfectionism has eight traits psychologytoday.com really goes into this and i want to highlight this to you so you can get this in your brain because we're going to talk about something a lot serious a lot more serious than self-rejection in just a second so perfectionism has these few effects negative self-talk Start talking about yourself some type of way. Avoidance. 
meaning you're avoiding doing something because you don't want it to be imperfect. Maybe you're, you're preoccupied with the minute detail. You're obsessed with detail to the point to where you're delaying your progress to the point to where you won't try to do something because you're obsessed with everything being on point. Perfectionism permeates your relationships. You keep expecting people to meet a standard that you can't even meet. It's self-sabotaging. Stop doing that. A propensity for all for nothing. What does that mean? It's saying I'm either going all in or I ain't doing it at all. Instead of trying and failing because it's the fear of failure. Shying away from new experiences. Quieting your mind is hard because you're always thinking. I've dealt with this. But then the last one, this one I saved for last. It's, 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 it's a hitter. Letting go of control puts you in a tailspin if you're a perfectionist. You want everything to be in your grasp, in your hand, in whatever control you have. You want it to be in your hand. But I got news for you, friend. In order to follow God, there's some things you're going to have to let go. And if you're not willing to let go, it'll hold you. Self-rejection is a prominent thing that we do to ourselves after we've been rejected. But another prominent thing that we do is we reject others. Give me a second to cook. I promise you I'm going to bring the Bible into this because I want to give you all the psychological understanding so you can see the Bible in the light that God gave me. God gave me a new light to the word. It's the same word, but he just exposed all the same things in Moses as he did with me. Or the same things in me as he did with Moses. Hear me out. The second biggest thing that we do after we've been rejected is we start to reject others. Now, I hit on this in the rebellion point last time, but I really want to touch this right now. Okay, Lord, I feel you. So the biggest reason why a lot of people don't come to church is because of the fear of judgment. Oh, yeah, I'm going here. So in the old school church, whether it's dealing with the church of God in Christ, I'm saying it, dealing with the church of God, dealing with Pentecostal or apostolic churches, dealing with even Catholicism or AG churches, no matter what denomination, there has been some level of people judging you for where you're at this is why you see people say i thought the church was a, uh, supposed to be with open doors and the doors seem like they shut or i feel like i'm always getting judged when i come in this door i feel like there's no one here to help me and it's a bunch of people that are usually doing this thing called condemning now there's really an interesting story in the Bible highlighted in John 8 when Jesus is presented an opportunity to either condemn or condone something and he takes a middle ground that no one saw coming. 
So John 8 highlights there's these men or these people that caught a woman in the act of adultery. Now, according to the old school law, the old school law said you got to catch both of those folks and bring them into a place of judgment or execution. And they got to be dealt with right there. But here's the crazy part. They only bring the women to Jesus. I got a, I got a question about that. Where the man at? And here's my theory. Now, we can theorize the Bible, but here's my theory. My theory is. It was a setup and the man was with them. Uh, the man was there, but he wasn't the one getting judged. <sighs> Anywho. It was because it was a setup for the woman, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord. So what happened was. They bring the woman. I mean, no clothes on, no nothing. Bring her to this public place, this crowd forms. Jesus is placed in a situation where they're talking about, hey, Jesus, the law of Moses said we could stone her. But what do you say? And he just stoops down on the ground, starts drawing. And they say, hey, Jesus, I know your ugly behind hurt us. And then he looks up and he's like, bruh. If anyone of you has not sinned, cast the first stone. But I'm going to go back to my drawing. He draws more and everybody left. One by one, name by name, they left. And then he looks at the woman, and I'm pretty sure somebody gave her a cloth by now. And says, hey, where are them accusers at that you just had? She said, I mean, I guess they gone now. I ain't got none. He said, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more says neither do i condemn you go and sin no more what does that mean jesus is not going to condemn us for the dirt that we do because he understands that we are human but he's going to give us a boundary a guideline a thing to do so that we don't go into the same stupid direction that we've been in the problem is a lot of people will use okay there's two problems a lot of people will use grace as a a permission slip to act a plum fool grace is not a permission slip to act a fool when jesus died for your sin that don't mean you could go do some more this is why paul says i can do anything i want but everything is not good for me to do i can say anything i want but I, everything is not good for me to say so what is it that i need to talk about what is it that i need to do the will of the father the will of the father is what's best because it suggests the best life for us but what happens when you start to intermix your lustful desires with going to church? I've done it. I've been there. I've been in that place. But Jesus doesn't condemn me. He just gives me the chance to be transformed. Here's the other sign. What happens when you start to condemn and judge and, and beat down the people that are in those lifestyles? They're going to feel rejected. And might I suggest to you that many people who have turned pagan coming from church have been rejected in some type of way by a person that didn't understand the love of God. If you've ever condemned a person, that means you never understood the love of God in the first place. There's a difference between condemnation and correction. Correction, it means that you're going to be like, hey, 
I'm not going to beat you up for what you did wrong. You know, the Bible says spare not the rod. We understand that. But I'm not going to beat you up for what you did wrong, but I'm going to steer you in this direction because I need to correct you. Correction is steering us in a different direction. Condemnation is beating us because of the direction we're going. And if you spend time beating me for the direction I'm going instead of correcting me in the right direction, then how am I going to understand the love of God? But many times people are faced in this condemnation thing where they now don't want to invest in the love of God because they're scared. Friend, if you're listening right now and you want to go to church again, but you're scared, I understand. Because you're thinking that the same person that rejected you before is going to be sitting in that same room with that same skirt on, that same hat or that same suit. And you're scared. You think that same preacher is going to be there that pointed you out in the middle of service for having a baby out of wedlock or that pointed you out for wanting to leave the church or that pointed you out for wanting to move here to there or do this and that and go for this career. They wanted to make you feel some type of way. But what happens when the condemned have been condemned? What happens when the person doing the judging? was judged we never thought about that we never thought to back up and think about these people that are judging us what have they faced that they're putting this on to me because i guarantee you condemnation spreads like a cancer and when you keep judging me and and putting all your thoughts and and beating me over the head with everything you want to say i'm going to be scared of you I don't want to be, I don't look, oh Lord, I don't want to be rejected by you. But when we've been rejected, one of the biggest things that we do, I just said it, we reject. When we've been rejected, we start to reject others. And reject ourselves. This is why you see so many church people and not many Christians. (laughs) Yes, Lord. This is why you see so many people that are willing to wear skirts down to their ankles, but they still acting like, oh Lord. This is why you see so many people in these double-breasted suits or or peak lapel suits or whatever you wanna wanna wear to church on Sunday, but then they still living like something else. So, so what happens is, is when you've been condemned, now your complex is, I don't want to be rejected. So I'm going to assimilate to the culture, but I never come into Christ. Lord have mercy. I want to talk to a person that has been a church kid all day life that has been assimilating to the culture, but they never came into the love of Christ, that they never came into the love and the joy and the peace of just following Jesus. They never came into that. You've been coming to church in your suits. You've been coming to church in your dresses. You've been having your hair done in a certain way. You say what they say. Blessed and highly favored. Blessed and highly favored. The Lord moved today. The Lord did what he did. And he did show did it. Yes, he did. I danced my tail off. But now you're going to smoke a whole gram and a half. Now you're going to drink a whole bottle of eighteen hundred. Now you got a whole bottle of Ciroc waiting on you after church. 
Now you got a whole a whole sneaky link waiting on you at brunch. You having an affair and you got your suit on. Talk about you praise God. Excuse me if I'm coming at you hard. But those people are hypocrites. But they're called hypocrites because they don't understand the love of God. And the people that don't understand the love of God are the people that will either have a misconception of who God is through the people that have condemned or the condemners. Both don't understand the love of God. And I want to tell you that God loves you in spite of your mess, in spite of the stuff you did and in spite of how you've been acting. He loves you. And he cares about you. And I want you to come into his love today. I'd love if you come into his love today. Just leave it all at the altar. Create an altar where you are. You don't have to put nothing together. You just be like, God, this is my altar. I'm sacrificing all this stuff so I can get closer to you because I'm tired of all these loop cycles. Just do it. And God will literally help you. So when we've been rejected, we start to reject others. This is why you start to see kids in families. Lord Jesus, I know I'm diving into this really deep, but the kids and families start to get rejected by their parents because their parents are annoyed by them being kids. I work in a grocery store. I ain't ashamed to say it. And what happened was I would commonly see parents who have been annoyed either with their day or something with their life. And they take out all their anger on their children. So what they do is when their kids start being kids and the parent is irritated, they start saying, boy, why are you doing all that? Why are you always in the way? Why are you always acting like that? Why are you always making mistakes? Why are you always going like this? And you keep beating your kid over the head with all this stuff, not realizing the detriment that you're doing to them. You're doing something so detrimental to their brain that they don't even understand what's going on. And 30 years later, they're going to be talking about what you did. And how they remember every single word you said every single time because they never felt the love. That ain't love. That ain't tough love either. It's rejection. But it breaks my heart when I see parents that understand their kids have a, a autism spectrum call their, their kid or their stepkid a slow mother effer. You a slow mother effer anyway. I'm sorry. I, I ain't meaning to put you in that situation. I seen that happen. And I wanted to throw. Lord Jesus. Calm me down. Calm me down, Lord. Calm me down. It breaks my heart. To see parents do this to their kids. This is why I commemorate all my 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 friends that have kids or they're taking care of kids i got people that are adopting kids i got people that have one-year-olds i got people that are single moms and, and they, they they take care of their kids and i commend them because i see so many rejections happening and because I've done so much research and so much understanding and so much testing and revitalizing and revisiting. It, it breaks my heart to continually see 
things happening and know how to fix it. So this is what I do. Here's my solution. And then I'll get into the Bible and we'll be done. Here's my solution. So I'm at the register. I'm scanning out. I see something about to happen and I shift. And I, I let the Lord use me in certain ways, but I shift into a game. Hey, kids. They're like, yeah, let's play. I spy. I spy with my little eyes something red. And it takes them like five, six, seven minutes, but they're occupied with finding something red. And now the parent is getting a kick out of the kids not being able to find it. So everybody's starting to lighten up. Okay, cool. The kid finds something in red. By the time they start on blue or green, if I even get to green, oh yeah, this order is long, but they're having fun and these kids are doing the same thing, right? So now they get to something green and by the time they get to something green, their parents are like, yo, it's the big old wall behind you, goofy. And everybody's laughing and having a good time. And by the end of the transaction, everybody has a smile on their face. Nobody's shooting the kids down. And the whole day was lightened. <sighs> I learned how to do that, not just because of education, but because of what the Lord led me to do, because he saw my heart was getting broken by seeing these kids constantly get beaten over the head, just being kids. But rejection will make us reject. So sometimes when you've been rejected at your job, you start to lash out on your child. Chill out. You start to lash out on your spouse. Chill out. You start to lash out on your friends. Chill out. Chill. I know you don't like that word, but you're going to have to endure it today. Chill out. And know that God loves you and he'll give you peace if you keep your mind on him. All right, let's get into this Bible. I won't stay here long. Exodus 3 talks about Moses now getting called to do this thing for God. He had several points of rejection. He has ran. He has rebelled. He has reinvented himself. He spends 40 years in Midian. After spending 40 years in Egypt, he is now 80 years old, tending these sheep on the back of a mountain. He gets called by God. And God is like, hey, yo, I heard the cries of Israel. I heard all these people going through all this stuff. And I remember my covenant. I remember what I said I was going to do. And here I am ready to do it. But here's the thing, bro. This is Exodus chapter three, verse 10. He said, hey, bro. I want to send you to Pharaoh. So, you know, I want to send you to Egypt to go talk to Pharaoh to get my people out of the land of Egypt. I want you to go down there. Talk to the man <laughs> that rejected you in the land that rejected you to get the people that rejected you. And Moses said in Exodus 3:11, I love this verse. Because it's everything I just highlighted to you. Exodus 3.11 says. But Moses said to God. Who am I. That I should go to Pharaoh. And bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Doesn't this sound like self-rejection. Remember the narratives I just told you. Don't this sound like that. 
But then God says, I will be with you. Now, that's reassurance for me. But we won't walk through all the reassurances of God and what he says. But we're going to highlight what Moses says. We skip down and I want you to read the story on your own. It's Exodus chapter three and Exodus chapter four. Read those scriptures. You'll see all these points of self-rejection and rejection of other things. The second response, Moses said, so. When I go down there, what I'm going to tell him. So the first thing he said, who am I to go? Now he says, well, what am I going to tell him? Socially anxious people, let me holler at you. You want a plan for the plan, for the plan, for the plan. And sometimes that plan ain't going to work. And you get anxious about that plan ain't going to work. And now you're bothered because the plan ain't going to work. And now you're irritated because the plan ain't going to work. And then you reject yourself. Friend, I'm letting you know you don't have to do that anymore. God is with you and he'll be with you. But we want to answer for the answer because we assume they're going to respond in one way. So we want them to answer some way. That's another form of self-rejection. But then that's another form of rejecting what God is saying. I don't believe you're going to be with me. So let me get an answer of like what to tell you. That God gives him the words to say. And then the next response is saying, well, what if they don't? Listen to me. God literally said a few verses, <laughs> a few verses ago in Exodus chapter three, verse 18, the elders of Israel will listen. But then Exodus chapter four, verse one, he says, what if they do not believe me or listen to me or do as I say or saying that you didn't even appear to me? Then God gives them some stuff to do. Then the fourth thing is what we often do. We often <laughs> criticize ourselves. We say, well, I got this thing and I want to highlight something right now. It's a theological misconception. Moses never had a speech impediment. In Exodus chapter four, verse 10, it says, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in my past, nor since you have spoken to your servant." I am slow of speech and tongue. Slow of speech means slow of response. It doesn't mean that he has a stuttering tongue. It means that he cannot respond fast. The, and you're saying, well, don't stuttering people respond slow. They respond on time. But their words don't come out on time. Slow of speech and slow of tongue. It's what I've had. It's when you get tongue tied with everything that you want to say at once, but you don't know what to say in response. Somebody hits me with an argument. This is why I don't get in arguments because everybody wants a response right now. But I, my brain is tongue tied. My brain is tongue tied. I have everything in my head and it hits my tongue at once and I don't know what to say. Slow speech, heavy in tongue. That's what that means. And I can read you the study scripture that that gives the theological understanding. But I ain't going to do it. Then the last response, he says, well, Lord. Because, you know, the Lord customized said, Abraham, 
didn't I make your tongue? Didn't I put the words in your mouth? Okay. Thank you, Lord. The last response that Moses has is in Exodus chapter 4, verse 13. It is rejecting himself and it is rejecting God. Because when you reject yourself, you're in terms rejecting others too. He says in verse 13, Lord, pardon me, but I'm going to need you to send somebody else. Now, God got angry with Moses because he's like, bro, I literally gave you all the reassurance for this. And you still say. I, I told you everything that was going to happen. I told you verbatim who was going to accept you, what Pharaoh was going to do, all the signs and wonders that I gave you so that they might believe. And then here you come saying. Nah, I'm good. Folks, this is self-rejection. And in Moses' self-rejection, he rejected God. Now I'm asking you, when you rejected yourself, who else were you rejecting? Is there someone that you were rejecting? Is there somebody or some people or something that you were rejecting? Friend, I want to let you know that you can recover from rejection. Our mantra is I can recover from rejection. Our mantra is I am a recovering reject. We want to keep that in our mind because if you don't get it in your mind, then you'll forever believe that <laughs> all the things that the enemy has been whispering in your ear is true. I dare not. I dare not believe that. Because the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar and the truth ain't in him. So what are the, the solutions to today's episode? What are the action steps that we need to take in order to start to deal with our rejection? The first one today is I need to I need you to think. And this is where you start to face it. I need you to think and face where you have been rejected think about it it should come up like that because rejection pain comes up the most when we think about pain think about the reasons you know you have been rejected in those areas what 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 were the reasons how did you end up in these places and spaces what what happened what what was going on think about where you've been rejected And I want you to write it down, put it in a journal, pray about it. You're going to have to pray through all of this, but pray about it. Number two, I need you to think where you have rejected others. Start to write about that. Start to pray about it. Start to, to talk to God about where you have rejected others. Number three is what I've been saying for just a few seconds. Pray. You're going to have to communicate to God all these things. So when I was walking through this, I I often talked about and I, I sat in prayer. This is why I have a, a little trophy. I wish I could show it to you. I might show it to you on on the Instagram page. 
I have a little trophy from our worship team's little award ceremony event. And it's just a comedical thing to just give people a random awards for stuff. I have a little trophy that says praise the longest. Now, it was a joke because, you know, I tend to pray long. I'm, I don't consider it long winded. You know, everybody else do. But I don't consider it long winded because I have a lot to say to God. And I ain't scared of doing that. So deal with it. Um, but I sit in prayer a lot. I sit and ask God questions. God, why do I do this? Why do I do that? Why do I act like this? And I wait for his response. I hear him. I listen to him. I write down what he says and I start to consider it. I start to think about it. I start to move things around. So when you're presenting this to God, what you want to do is you want to say, God, here's where I've been rejected. Let's say I, I was bullied in high school and someone um, so and so called me fat and ugly and I didn't know how to take it. So what I started to do is I started to reject other people and started to do all these other things, Lord. And I just need your help to deal with it. That's all you have to do. That's all you have to pray. And and do that with every situation. Don't you just sit on one. Do with every situation. And then here's the last one that's going to be the biggest one. Jesus suggests that we should forgive people 70 times 7. The disciples asked, what, how many times do I forgive my brother? Seven times? No, he said 70 times seven. That's 490 times. And it, we're not here to count that I forgive my brother 490 times. We're here to lose count because my brother and my friend and a human is going to continually offend me. Who am I to hold a grudge? And what Christian would hold a grudge against anybody? Doesn't God teach us how to forgive people and let people go and re repent? Because um, we need to repent. We need our sins forgiven. This is why in Matthew 6, when Jesus is saying the Lord's prayer, well, his prayer, he's saying, forgive us, Lord, as we forgive. Forgive us as we forgive. Because it says down after the prayer, the Lord will only forgive us to the measure of how much we forgive others. So I wonder how much forgiveness do we have extended toward us, even after we have come into Christ? How much have you forgiven others? I had to resolve so many different issues that I did not want to resolve. But I promise you, it lifted so much weight off of my soldiers, so shoulders. Forgive those who hurt you, who pers persecuted you, who despitefully used you, who made fun of you, who said those things. Forgive those people saying, Lord, I release them from my life and the pain that they've done. I forgive them, Lord. I forgive John John for saying this. I forgive Ray Ray for doing this. I forgive uncle this person for this thing. I forgive auntie this person. I forgive grandma and mom and dad and whoever. Whoever it, is it that you need to forgive, release them today. Tomorrow, get some time on your hands. Release them because if you keep holding on to it, it's going to keep bothering you. Forgive them and forgive them continually. It's not just saying it once. It's every time that trigger and that pain comes up, it's like, Lord, I forgive them. Lord, I forgive them and help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. I say that all day. Help me, Lord. I say that before this podcast. Help me, Lord. I just want you to know 
that you can recover from rejection. So let's pray. And then you're dismissed. Father, I thank you for this episode and how you've led and guided all the words that you wanted to say tonight. I'm asking or that this morning would be a renewed morning for this person. I'm praying right now that whatever pain that this person has been facing, you be there for them. Change their lives, renew them, transform them. They are yours. You are theirs. Lord, I'm asking that you renew them. (laughs) Renew their heart, please. Renew their mind, their soul. And help them to give their life to you. So that they can become better. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning and thank you for tuning in to Morning Cup of Wisdom podcast. The world is raising up teachers for themselves and leading each other into a ditch. But this podcast is built to put itching cream on your ears, telling you what you need to hear and not what you want to hear. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you love, share, and follow Jesus. Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came into the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world through dying on the cross for our sins so that we can have eternal life in heaven. When we repent, we get access to that life and access to help in this one. If you want to follow Jesus, here's how you start. Repeat after me. I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe that Jesus died and rose from the grave for my sin. I receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, I repent and turn towards you. If you really believe that, you are saved. If you want to keep growing in your connection to God, make sure you like, share, and follow Morning Cup of Wisdom on the various platforms listed in the description. Until next time, I hope you have a good morning.